I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ramdas's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ramdas, Krishnadas, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more. The Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. everyone, this is Chris Grosso with the Indie Spirituals Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. And my guest today is Marcy Zaroff. Marcy, thank you so much for being with me. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, I'm, thank you. I'm, I'm super psyched to have this conversation. It's a topic that rarely, if ever, is one I've really addressed on this show specifically. So I'm definitely jazzed to talk to you about it. Before we jump into that, though... As always, I like to start the show by reading the guest bio for anyone that might not be familiar with your work. So, Marcy Zaroff coined the term and pioneered the market for eco-fashion and is an internationally recognized eco-lifestyle entrepreneur, educator, and expert who keynotes globally on organic, sustainable textiles, strategic creative vision, social innovation, green business and design, and the rise of the millennial generation. Marcy is the founder and CEO of MetaWare, founder to Farm to Home and Under the Canopy, producer of Thread, Driving Fashion. Is that correct? I Driving Fashion Forward? No, it's uh, that's just a little slash. Dash, uh, okay. A little dash there. <laughs> so we have Driving Fashion Forward. And co-founder of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Good Catch, and Beyond Brands. To learn more about Marcy, please visit MarcyZoroff.com. Or if you're checking this out on the Be Here Now Network webpage, simply scroll down and click the link that will take you directly to Marcy's site, as well as her, as her book, which we'll be discussing today, Eco Renaissance. So Marcy, my goodness, you have quite a bit going on, don't you? Never a dull moment. Be careful what you wish for. Uh, right? Well, I appreciate you taking a minute out of your busy schedule to uh, to do this conversation. I have this conversation today. And for those who don't know, Marcy is um, on the West Coast um, in in retreat or doing a retreat? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually, I just completed a board retreat and, and so I'm in San Francisco and heading to Tahoe for Labor Day weekend. Lovely, <laughs> lovely. So excellent. I appreciate you again taking the time. I love San Francisco. Great place. So yeah. hope you're enjoying yourself there. Very um, much. 
Great. So, Marcy, let's kind of start off with the the first thing I like to do with my guests is because I am always I'm I'm curious. I'm a curious being. I love human stories. If you can just tell us a little bit about your background of what you would say were some of the the key things in your life that led you to the path that you are on today. So it could start as early as childhood, maybe teenage, maybe young adult, wherever you want to go with that. But if you could just give us a little background. Sure. Well, probably one of the most game-changing moments for me was when I was 15 and my girlfriend who uh, I actually, it's a kind of a longer story, I met her in a mall and she became my hairdresser Mm. and sitting in her seat, she gave me the book Living in the Light by Shakti Gawain. Oh, sure. And I read the book and I just had such an aha that there's more to life than what we see. And it just, that was the message I took away um, that we have to activate that light. And then that same hairdresser introduced me to Aveda when there was just one product. She, Mm. a distributor introduced it to her. She said to me, oh my gosh, you're going to love this brand. And when I read the copy and I said, wow, plant-based wisdom, Mm. ancient healing, Ayurvedic medicine, native tradition, it just again, sort of struck a chord in me. And then fast forward, I met the founder of Aveda um, a few years later at an environmental conference. Of course, I dove in head first to trying to soak up more information and more find more books. And um, and he, ju- he and I just became fast friends. And he became my mentor for 25 years. And what I learned from him was that we have to really appeal to people at a very visceral level to then activate that light inside to bring them down the rabbit hole and then start to, you know, educate them as you pull the layers back. Um, and so those were two really pivotal, um, junctures of my life, the, the book, uh, meeting horse. And then probably the third one is, um, meeting Peter Max and, um, and just studying his art. And it also spoke to me from the place of a better world and peace and love. And that all just resonated. And so, um, of course, I went to Berkeley for college. Mm. <laughs> I was I grew up in South Florida, but, you know, headed out to UC Berkeley. Um, I was also drawn to that, um, that world. And uh, I went to business school. And so I have been just on this journey for the last uh, 28 years creating businesses um, going from IIN to, um, which is the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and Food, opening the first Aveda concept salon, coining the term eco-fashion, and then being in the fashion fiber business, but also kind of living at the intersection of food still to this day. So it's, yeah. Absolutely amazing. I, it, it's, uh, it's wonderful to see people with such a passion for the work you're doing, which is pretty obvious, so important in this day and age. Um, especially with the, the, I find it very alarming, the, um, the, uh, wow, why am I drawing a blank? I guess I have not had enough coffee yet. Um, <laughs> global warming, how do I draw a blank on that? Uh, I wish I could offer you some, but I don't have I any. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, but in all seriousness, you're doing this work that, that, you know, does touch a lot on that on, um, I mean, the, the subtitle of your book, which I love, A Lifestyle Guide for Co-Creating a Stylish, Sexy, and sustainable world. So you're making it accessible to people that may not have otherwise had interest in this. You know, maybe they think of things as global warming, you know, is for the scientists or this or that, when of course it's for all of humanity. 
but you're presenting certain things in, in such a way that, you know, I, I certainly enjoy this read and truth be told, I, as I'm looking through your book and reading it, it's like, wow, I, I didn't feel ashamed, but I did feel a little guilt. Like I should be more conscious in some of these areas. And I certainly felt like you were inspiring me towards that. So hats off to you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, it, it really is about connecting the dots of consciousness. Yeah. And so the five pillars that I've embedded into the book that connect all the different lifestyle sectors, you know, from art to food, to fashion, to beauty, to business, yeah. to wellness are our consciousness, community, collaboration, creativity, and connection. And that's kind of this DNA that is waking people up right? Like my new favorite word is woke, you know, and, (laughs) and, um, you know, and this idea that, you know, we, we, once you drink the Kool-Aid of consciousness, then it really should inevitably be inevitably become what else, what's next, what more, and how do we plant as many seeds as possible of consciousness in across all of these popular culture sectors. And that will then ultimately lead to this eco renaissance, this, you know, ecosystem, this connection that we're not only, or understanding that we're not only all interconnected, but we're connected to our environment as well. Mm -hmm. And then of course, renaissance means rebirth. So we can rebirth popular culture and ultimately rebirth humanity through this mindset. Yeah, I love that. And you, if you take a step back and you look at many of the great wisdom traditions of the world, they're saying in their own language, essentially what you just said in a more kind of contemporary format, um, especially looking at Native American traditions and shamanism. And I know you're obviously very um, interested and well-versed in plant medicines and healings and um, Mother Earth. It's it's just beautiful to see that people are continuing to explore and go deeper into their connection with that. Um, and then looking at it from maybe an Eastern philosophy perspective, it's all absolutely interconnected anyways. You know, you mentioned consciousness and you look at the mystic tenant of any of the world's great traditions and they say the same thing, that it is all quite literally one. It is this beautiful manifestation, sometimes scary, sometimes tragic, often hopeful and joyous manifestation of the one consciousness. So again, I appreciate that you're breaking certain concepts down in a way that may not necessarily be saying that, but it's, you know, certainly in the same room. And, uh, and I love that about the book. So you started to talk about eco renaissance. Um, I was going to ask you what the definition was, but I think you kind of alluded to it was what you just said, pretty much summing up what you mean by eco-resonance? Yeah, I mean, I'll just add one thing to yeah. it, you know, that kind of builds on what you just um, spoke to, which yeah. is, you know, we're living in somewhat of a modern day dark ages mm-hmm. where, you know, the law of the universe, right, it is all connected. And that means the dark and the light, right, right. are sort of two forces going on at the same time. And we're, you know, just like in the original Renaissance, when we were coming out of the original dark ages, you know, this, this burst of creativity and collaboration and consciousness and just a new way of thinking and being really was that, you know, lever that, um, drove people out of the dark into the light, into a new, you know, a new kind of humanity at that time. So Mm -hmm. here we are today. And, you know, this recognizing because of all the natural disasters we're experiencing, we're starting to, you know, people are starting to wake up, especially with all the, you know, administration and government. And I mean, all this just everything's are getting shaken up everywhere and it's forcing people to look at their values and go deeper and ask themselves like, you know, 
like what's what are they feeling inside and so the book really you know embodies this sort of the people planet profit passion purpose user friendly take people on this journey and into the light and into that that rebirth coming back to who we really are at the core which is love and light mm, beautifully said and so true and I appreciate that you are saying that because as spirituality continues to grow in popularity, which to me, it seems it has just been on this big trajectory, especially over the last several years, um, and it's becoming more mainstream, which is a great thing. Um, you do hear things like namaste and love and light, and they're beautiful sentiments, but sometimes people forget what they truly mean underneath that. And again, I think this book is a nice reminder of, of again, being very accessible in the way it's written and it's offering, but also a nice reminder that, you know, there, there is meaning to this beyond just the platitude, so to speak. And, uh, and I really dig that. So talking about the book, um, so you told us what eco Renaissance is. Can you tell us what really inspired you to, to put pen to paper and, and put this offering out into the world? Yeah, I would say, you know, given that I've been myself on this journey for almost three decades and still learning something new every day, I think that um, what one of the reasons that people haven't embraced this eco renaissance, this, you know, whole conscious lifestyle movement is because it's daunting and it's scary and they don't know where to start and they don't know who to ask and they don't know, you know, what to read, what to look for on labels or what brands to support and buy. And they don't know, you know, there's so much conflicting information out there, what to believe. So I think, you know, my approach to this having been that I'm, I consider myself a bridge builder. I've lived, you know, in the consciousness, uh, environmental, humanitarian movement, you know, most of my adult life, of mm. course, since I'm 15. But I also, I'm a fashionista, you know, I got best dressed in high school, I want to be <laughs> stylish. You know, I like eating at great restaurants and tasting great food. I love to travel. And so, you know, when I when I used to say the word eco fashion to people, they looked at me like I was crazy that those worlds could never coexist. And that, you know, the there was such prejudice on both sides of the equation. And I always said, not only do I want to see the alternative become the norm and the norm become the alternative, but I also want to see the concept of no compromise come into effect. This idea that, you know, you can be stylish and sustainable. You can eat great tasting food that's also healthy. You can put on beauty products that are going to be functional and smell wonderful and also be made from plants and the earth. Um, and we can live in harmony with our environment, not against our environment. We can, you know, appreciate the symbiotic relationship that we have with our earth and with each other and and activate our own, you know, vote with our dollars and, and make smarter decisions about, you know, the companies, the brands and the lifestyle choices that we're making and supporting. Absolutely. So well said. I, You know, what I also really appreciate in this book is how like I said, it's so accessible. I can't stress that enough if listeners haven't picked up on that. But um, I love that you're you're shining a light for maybe some people that are a bit newer to the ideas you're presenting here. And you're offering them um, ways of connection and other avenues in which they can continue to explore their journey in eco-renaissance. So, for example, 
you have some actually you offer inspiring art or music festivals, you know, such as Coachella and Bonnaroo. Of course, many people are familiar with these, but might not see them in the light or the lens of eco fashion. Can you elaborate a little bit on on that, how they could see it in such a light? Yeah. um, So. You know, in the context of bridging worlds, as I mentioned, you yeah. know, whether it's the tribe and the and the boardroom or it's the tree hugger and the fashionista, I think these festivals and these and all these different and I also talk a lot about the different podcasts and the different, um, you know, all different um, websites that you can check out and things just make it user friendly and, and give tips um, and resources that that actually pull out of those events, you know, the practices. So Burning Man is obvious an obvious one that I go into and talk about the principles of Burning Man. And you start to see, you know, this community and collaboration and connection and creativity, right? And yeah. all the things that the eco renaissance really is about. And I go a little deeper into explaining, you know, why that's relevant and why people are getting drawn to these festivals Mm. Um, and why the musicians that are out there that are kind of part of this tribe and this movement, you know, are building bigger and bigger followings because they're, you know, their songs have this sort of deeper purposeful um, inspiration layered into them. They're not about hate and anger and, you know, destruction and negativity. They're, they're shining their light, um, and it's inspiring people. And I think people are seeking that now. They're longing for that now. Yeah. You know, we're, we're living in, in a world where there's a lot of, you know, breakdown of systems and disillusionment and fear and, and depression. And people are just so hungry for um, positive inspiration. And yeah. so, yeah. I love it. And and you did, you mentioned you give other, you know, tips or pointers or avenues to explore. And uh, I I definitely felt a resonance myself looking through this because at the end of my very first book, I did similar to a certain extent with lists of movies, which you have in here, list of artists that have been influential, list of reads. And I love that, you know, just for an example, you have on uh, it's page 18, tune in to these eco-renaissance songwriters, musicians, bands. And you write, for these artists, Green is a no-brainer. Not only are many of their songs infused with the powerful messaging, These artists are also leveraging their platforms to create awareness in a number of ways. Many are vegans and vegetarians and have started environmental foundations, greened their tours, and use organic cotton t-shirts. All of them have a deep connection to being conscious human beings. And then you list, I mean, the list is too long to go on, but some of my personal favorites, you know, you have Bjork on here, whom I love, Michael Franti, Moby, Pearl Jam, Willie Nelson, Radiohead, it's, you know, and there's plenty more, but it's really cool. So, you know, people that are looking to branch out and support artists that are, you know, in alignment with this, you're giving it to them right there. I think that's so awesome. You know, and, and I'll just build on that, that, you know, I, when I was writing this book, I was really thinking about the wide spectrum of mm-hmm. people that I want to, you know, appeal to in terms of bringing them into this movement, this eco-renaissance. And so, you know, music might resonate already for somebody where, where they might already know kind of, or get, you know, there's this sort of bands and, and, and musicians that are already living this lifestyle that are resonating for them, but they might not know anything about, you know, the food part or the, or the fashion part. I mean, that's usually one of the last things people learn about or the business part. They don't know about B Corps and, you know, cradle to cradle and, or they don't know about, you know, 
how the importance of water or, you know, understanding a lot of the just there's layers upon layers of this movement. And I think it's, you know, again, it it's because it's all connected. The fun of this book, and I hope it's evergreen and people use it as a continuous resource is mm. is is what you know this idea again of what else what's next what more where where else can i get that same feeling that that resonates and feels good for me in another part of my life yeah love it so as we move through you have another section uh living eco renaissance art and what i loved in here is that you give just some brief tips to what you call ecofy your creative energy something that i think many of our listeners can relate to as uh you know, creativity is such a spiritual endeavor and an outlet. And so I'm going to read these nine. I'm not going to read the actual what you wrote about them, but I'd love it if you picked maybe one or two that you would like to talk a little bit about that you think um, are worth elaborating on. I mean, they're all worth elaborating on, but that might speak to you. Um, and so I'll just read them real quick. Number one, choose a project or endeavor you love. Number two, live for the moment. Three, be willing to challenge yourself. Four, find space and time that will allow you to surrender. Five, clear away distractions. Six, learn to focus on the task for as long as possible. Seven, enjoy yourself. Eight, keep practicing. And nine, reap the rewards. So is there one or two that jump out that you'd like to talk a little bit about? Well, I think, you know, often when people... Um, ask me for kind of what is, you know, if, what's those last words you want to leave? You know, I often, mm. it's follow your heart and live your truth and be in the moment and, and make every moment the best that it can be. So I think, you know, to some extent it's the classic, you know, be here now, right? Sure. Which you're all about and, yeah. and, and understand. And the other side that I would just pull out one of the, um, the other lines was challenge yourself. And, challenges are one of those things that people fear they mm. they get they feel like it's going to make them stuck well remembering that we're made of energy the name of the game is to figure out how to pivot how to flow and how to overcome challenges because that's where our greatest growth as human beings really lives is in those challenges where we're kind of forced to think out of the box or move or keep flowing and keep going and so i think you know if we just change our perception from a challenge to an opportunity and turn something that might be scary into something exciting by just shifting your thinking, we can unleash so much more potential for ourselves. Absolutely agreed. Beautifully said. And so throughout the book, you also talk about Illumin artists. Can you, mm -hmm. can you explain what an Illumin artist is? Yeah. So um, the Illumin artists are like my modern day Michelangelo's. <laughs> And, um, you know, the, the idea here is the, with the fixation that, you know, so much of popular culture has today on, you know, um, whether it's TV reality, you know, versus old school pro programming when I was growing up, you know, um, mm. or it's the internet and social media, um, you know, it's getting outside of ourselves and looking at what other people are doing. And that's, for better or worse, you know, culture has moved a lot in that direction. And we won't talk about, you know, <laughs> the helm of our government. But, but, you but sound I mean, just like me. <laughs> but, um, 
but you know, looking at that, so my whole like, my whole um, vision for the Illuminatus was I want to curate a group of people that, to me, these are the people. If you're going to watch other people, these are the people to watch. These are the people to learn from. These are the people to study and read about their work and their lives and what they're doing. And so each chapter, I pick five to seven influencers of the the eco Renaissance. These Illuminatus, these modern day Michelangelo's, as I said, and. And I talk a little bit about, you know, what they're what they do. But then I really do an interview, a, a short couple questions with each of them on, you know, their own personal um, relationship with the eco renaissance. And so each chapter has five to seven of these really special people. And I just hosted or had a book party a couple of nights ago with five of my Illuminatists um, on a panel. And mm. I just have gotten nonstop kudos from, you know, like people so appreciating that panel. And that was really, again, just to start curating this experience and inspiration that crosses so many different, you know, parts of our own, uh, our own, you know, worlds. And so, you know, women's empowerment and social justice and environmental responsibility and yoga off the mat and, mm. you know, and positivity. And, and there's these short shared core values across all these people, even though their work and their lives are so different. Yeah. And I love, it was quite an eclectic mix of individuals. <laughs> I think the first one I saw, um, which I was immediately attracted to was in I hope I don't butcher her first name, either Alicia or Alicia Reiner. Yeah, uh, Alicia Reiner. Alicia, yeah. okay. So yes, uh, from Orange is the New Black. Loved what, how her character grew this season in relation to Joe Caputo. Very cool. Um, but I was attracted to her, one, because my friends Jessica Pimentel and Mackenzie Phillips are on that show. And it was really cool to to see that connection here. But what I loved is that you have these, like you said, just these very short interviews with little tidbits of knowledge. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just to give an example of what you were speaking about with Alicia, you ask her, what is a personal eco renaissance tip you can share with readers? And so simply be kind, be kind to the planet, commit to a travel mug, be kind to your fellow humans, do something nice for a stranger every day. I mean, seemingly like very common sense stuff, but stuff that is so easily overlooked as we go about our very, very busy and hectic days. So, I mean, you know, that's that's awesome. Super mm -hmm. easily accessible little reminders and tips. I love that you have so many of those in here. Are there any that stand out to you that you I Now, I know being an author, you write the book and months <laughs> go by. It's easy to forget things. Are there any that come to mind that really stood out to you or should we just say they're all wonderful? They really are. I yeah. mean, I, I feel so blessed to, to have all these people in my life. And, yeah. you know, whether it's Stella McCartney and Susie Cameron and mm. who are, are both, um, you know, doing incredible work in driving sustainable fashion forward. But they're also both vegan and plant based eaters. Mm. And and, you know, I see the same thing going connecting across the whole book you know alicia just started a fashion brand but she's in my art chapter mm -hmm. and you know and leilani munter you know is is somebody i met at a uh, again just kind of a whole lifestyle event that was about renewable energy and she's a nascar driver but she also is driving the plant-based food movement and so she's in my food chapter yeah. you know um and so there's it's just it's really a beautiful mix of people that are all just doing such great work 
Yeah, so you mentioned the food chapter. Let's talk about that. You cover a lot of ground in each chapter. I love. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're, you're offering tips like try this, plant-based while traveling, and you offer some suggestions. You have um, little key facts on things like seafood. You have a, a little section, I love this, urban agriculture, where you talk about urban vegetarian or vegetation walls and rooftop gardens, community gardens, things that are so important. Um, yeah, could you just talk a little about that? the chapter and other areas you explore? Yeah, so each chapter actually ends with um, the DNA of the eco-renaissance as mm. it relates to that topic. So th I, I kicked the book off with, you know, my mantra and kind of eco-renaissance manifesto and um, that's sort of an overriding way I see the eco-renaissance. And then each chapter has its own individual set of kind of tenets, like, right, what makes this qualify in my book, right, as an eco-renaissance mindset? Well, if it ties back to, you know, those principles, those, those pillars of creativity and connection and community and consciousness and collaboration, then it, then it embodies it. And so I look at things like organic agriculture, regenerative agriculture, plant-based eating, um, you know, uh, food, farm to table, mm -hmm. uh, pro, you know, restaurants, right. farmers markets, um, you know, food co-ops. I mean, these are all, living those principles and, and urban agriculture, of course, and plant walls. And so each chapter breaks down, you know, what I believe to be, you know, those, um, those anchors, um, or the spokes in the wheel of that particular popular culture sector. I love that. You know, so as, as you're talking, we're going to jump back into the book, but I'm, and, you know, I've been thinking about your bio, you've done so much. Can you tell me, like, all all of this experience you have with founding businesses and, and just so much, um, and and all kind of under the umbrella of this organic, sustainable theme, are there a couple of major takeaways that you've learned, one or two that, you know, you just, maybe others who haven't had your experience um, might not have thought of that, that you would care to share? Um, well, I would say that, you know, going back to the no compromise mindset, mm. that there's a couple of key stigmas that exist out there as to, I believe, why people, more people don't adopt a lifestyle like this. I think the sure. first stigma is they think they have to give up, you know, taste, scent, uh, style, quality, um, color, comfort, um, all the things that they really want first and foremost. And that's not true. And in every one of these sectors, whether it's food, food can absolutely be delicious first and should be. Yeah. And then layer on, oh, by the way, it's also organic or regenerative or plant-based. Um, and fashion, same thing. You know, it has to be stylish and well-designed first. And then, oh, by the way, it's responsibly made, it's ethical, it's fair trade, it's organic, it's recycled or whatever the story may be. Um, and, and I can say that about, you know, every one of these categories that, you know, it really is about this and that, not this or that. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's also about building win, win, win business models and that. So I approach all of my businesses with, you know, one plus one equals 11, right? Mm -hmm. Like how do, how do we win together? This isn't me against you. This is me and you, yeah. you know? So let me ask you this, since you have so much uh, knowledge and experience in this, I, I can imagine in all fairness, someone listening and thinking, you know, this does sound great, but I look at the more sustainable and organic lifestyle, the healthier eating, and it's, it can be very expensive. 
Um, <laughs> for example, I live here in Connecticut. There are there's a number of great vegan restaurants, but there's two that I absolutely love. But I only go there periodically because I can't afford to go there all that often. Or like I, someone made the joke the other day. I love Whole Foods. Like they have great stuff. But, I, you know, my girlfriend and I were going to go there after dinner and someone joked, uh, oh, you mean whole paycheck? And I was like, oh, yeah, kind of. But what do you recommend <laughs> to people that would love to do this but might be turned off because often price tags are, you know, it is cheaper as unfortunate as this is. Not in any way that I support McDonald's or that garbage. But it's, you know, for the person that is on a tight budget, it is cheaper if you're going out to eat to get that fast food versus something that is not only better for you, but better for the planet. So I'd love to hear. Yeah, no. So you actually hit on stigma number two, Mm. right? Stigma number two is, you know, I I can't afford it. It costs too much. It's not accessible to me, right? I mean, I, I, you know, looks, it's all great in theory, but I don't know how I could embrace that in my life. So, um in every one of these these sectors and chapters as well, I will I navigate that it's actually that's just a myth that you just have to know what to look for, where to go, what to buy, what yeah. you know. Costco today is the largest buyer of organic food in the country, wow. not Whole Foods, wow. right? So when you have eighty three percent of U.S. consumers buying organic food today, you know at least occasionally, which is a fact. Um, you know, this is not about Whole Foods and the natural channel anymore. This is about every single supermarket and every single major mass merchant. Um, and this is where all their growth is because this is what, you know, fortunately, this is where the demand is. And so, you know, obviously with scale and with accessibility, prices have come down dramatically. So we've got to, you know, recognize that the added value that you're getting with organic can still come, you can still get that at a, at a great price. And if that's even too much to go to those grocery stores, what about farmer's markets? What about growing it on your own? Mm. Um, you know, what about buying the ugly fruits and vegetables that are highly discounted, but are just as effective in terms of taste and nutrients? It's just a a physical appearance thing. Mm. So I do share ideas and in fashion, I mean, one of the hottest areas of fashion right now is swapping clothing. That's ah. pretty inexpensive. How about renting clothing where it's super cheap? You can rent clothing and give it back and rent something else. There's there's whole new business models that have been born by this desire for affordability within the context of authenticity and, and of course, accessibility. So, um, you know, it's about being efficient as a business owner. I can tell you knowing how to build my supply chains without all the markups in the middle has enabled me to be uh, more vertically integrated and more efficient. And then ultimately, I can add that value to product and be at the same price as my conventional counterparts. Mm. Um, because I've cut out, you know, I've, I've, I've just been thinking differently and breaking into new redesign, which is kind of the premise of the book, right? It's through yeah. the lens of design, we can change the world. I love that. And I think that echoes nicely a quote you have in here uh, from a mutual friend of ours, Miranda Pleasant, who <laughs> is does Origin Magazine, Mantra, Health and Yoga, Thrive. Um, I've had the good fortune of writing for two or three of those. And Miranda's great. I love this quote. She says, care about where your stuff comes from, who made it, who suffered for it, How were they treated? When those answers are more important than our need to look a certain way, the world will change for the better. Amen, right? Like, Amen. And fortunately, um, 
the train is leaving the station in the fashion industry and more and more and more brands every day are jumping on it. And it is, um, I think it's now become where both in the business world, in the fashion and the food world, in the, even in the investment communities, it's not even about staying ahead anymore. It's about not being left behind. Mm-hmm. I think there's a recognition that that combined, you know, as Miranda said, you can be stylish and you can also be smart and, and conscious and, you know, and look for substance. So look for products that are ethically made where you can feel good about what you're wearing. You can also look good and you can also do good in the world through that one purchase. Yeah. Very, very cool. And then, you know, as we're, as we're going on in the book, this is so great. You know, you have these, what I love is the, the takeaways and the, the direction pointers, whatever the pointers, like you're offering people, Uh, examples of studios like actual uh, meditation studios or apps Um, and I love I'm just smiling because I'm familiar with most of these a few I am not so I have some new things to look into once we're done but then you know you're offering wellness centers spas resorts websites blogs online courses online wellness communities so even if there's not something in your area because that's something I get a lot of questions people have read my books or listened to the podcast are like hey I love what you're doing or I love what you're saying I'm really interested in this or that but I live in a rural area and there's really not much going on so while of course there's no replacement for actual person-to-person contact there is still like this wonderful internet you know at our fingertips these days and even if you don't have it in your home let's it's accessible to local library you know it's pretty rare you can't get at least get online so i love that you have all of this like so much yeah and i'll even add to that um you know the um and I just came from their corporate headquarters two days ago in L.A. And, and so, you know, if people don't know about Thrive Market, mm. I mean, here's a perfect example of it doesn't matter where you live. You know, the ex- excuse that, you know, you don't have access to getting organic or healthier foods and, and choices. You know, when you have Thrive Market um, at your fingertips online and the food just shows up at your front door um, in terms of all the obviously not the produce, but you can get that at a farmer's market or you could grow that on your own. But, you know, and their whole their whole um, value proposition is that if you're a member of Thrive, you get 25% off all your products at the at the lowest. I mean, they get, you know, so they've been able to just reach into very widespread um, audiences. And I think part of, again, you know, with this book is people just don't know that this stuff exists out there. They, yes. and, and, I, and like you, it's, you know, I'm constantly being asked, you know, well, where do you go? What do you do? Where do you, what do you buy? Who do you support and why? Mm-hmm. And I love, I love sharing that information. So the book was kind of a natural extension of, you know, getting the word out obviously at a, a different level. Oh yeah. I mean, then you have another section, beauty inside and out, a really lovely section. And you're even offering, you know, personal care products. You're talking about one's, Uh, makeups, things, you know, what's a a whole section, what's hiding in our beauty products. So you're not only just like offering suggestions of what people can use or replace products with, but you're, you know, actually talking about products or the uh, chemicals in them that a lot of people might otherwise not know that are harmful. Like the the first one on this list, uh, I, I will admit, I'm not vegan. I was for many years. And but I kind of chuckle because I see BHT. Not that there's anything funny about BHT, but when I was vegan, I would be looking at the ingredients. And this is going back to the early 90s when we had nowhere near 
the selection that we have today and you would find that like rare item and you're going through it and it's like, oh great, it is vegan. And then you see like the packaging has BHT in it and it's like, oh, so that's where my smile is coming from. But, (laughs) you know, so you, you have all these wonderful, like most people don't know BHT, you know, and, and just to share the international agency, it's also BHA and BHT, but the international agency for research in cancers listed these chemicals as potential carcinogens. They're not restricted in the U S but California includes BHA on its list of chemicals that must be listed on product ingredients, ingredient labels as potentially cancer causing. Um, and also, if I remember correctly, like I said, it's been mm-hmm. many years. I don't know if this has changed, but isn't there, not to gross any of our listeners out, but uh, there's animal blood in BHT or gelatin. Am I correct? Well, I mean, I, I think that um, the bigger um, conversation that's like I'm just fired up at the edge of my seat about which you're speaking to yeah. is, is this idea that most people have no idea what's in their products and mm. they take for granted and they think – that, oh, well, the government accepts it, so it should be fine for me, right? right? But what people don't realize is, you know, many other countries around the world have banned so many of the ingredients that still live in, you know, the products that are sold in the U.S. today. Um, and, you know, we won't go into glyphosate unless you want to. No, but, please, um, <laughs> let's go into it, please. I want but, you to be um, fired up. Share it. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, but the Environmental Working Group, in terms of going back to the beauty um, yeah. piece, they they have something called Skin Deep, and they really go into and it's a great resource um, to you know anytime you have any beauty products you're curious what those ingredients are you know check out um, their resources they they've really done a deep dive into all the beauty ingredients but as a general rule of thumb and I've you know I used to when I started my career take people on health food store tours um, and teach them how to read labels um, you know because you you were you mentioned you know reading labels and and how you to do that. Um, and you know, it is, it's interesting, but you know, you'd say if you can't pronounce it, you probably shouldn't be eating it, right? <laughs> so we probably true. shouldn't be putting it in or on our bodies because I mean, the skin is the largest organ in our bodies and our primary organ for absorption. So it's not just what we eat. It's also what we put on our bodies, on our skin, what we wear. And then, you know, the list goes on and on. And I actually have a little piece on that in the book of, you know, you are what you eat. You're also what you dot, dot, dot. Mm. And could you talk a little about that? (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, every choice that we make is an extension of ourselves, Mm. right? So, um, going back to textiles, you know, the, the, uh, people just assume, well, cotton is a natural fiber, so I should be wearing all cotton. Mm. But maybe what they don't know is that cotton is the most heavily sprayed industry in agriculture. So less than 3% of the world's agriculture is cotton, but almost 20% of the most harmful insecticides and 10% of the most toxic pesticides are being used on cotton. And then that doesn't even include processing of cotton. So cotton is heavily chlorine bleached and then goes through a system where when it's dyed and finished, oftentimes very toxic chemicals are added, even things like formaldehyde, heavy metals. Um, and you know, in our, uh, organic supply chains in a, in a got certified product, global organic textile certified product goes from farm to finished product to make sure there's no harmful toxins in the product. Right. But you kind of think, Oh, well, cotton is natural. But then you wonder why, you know, a third of the population is walking around with allergies and asthma, Mm. you know, and we're wearing and sleeping in and using cotton products probably 24 seven or at least a big part of our lives. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. And and that's a perfect example of all of these very illuminating and eye-opening facts that are shared in this book. And many of which, you know, I like to think of myself as a pretty decently researched human being. But again, reading this book, it just opened my eyes to so many avenues that it, I just, I was... I don't want to use quite the word ignorant, but maybe a little ignorant towards, you know, so I, uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, moving on in the book, you have another section. I loved this one um, where you talk about beauty is authenticity. And I remember when I was summing through it and I saw that section and I, I read that it reminded me very much of a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh and which he says, you know, to be beautiful means to be yourself. You don't need to be accepted by others. You need to accept yourself. And I feel like that's kind of what you were surmising here in this section. But I wanted to hear in your own words a little bit about what beauty beauty is authenticity means to you. Yeah, I think when you're living in a state of alignment and a, a place where you feel balanced and your professional and your personal values are connected and not out of resonance, then you know, your ability to feel grounded, your ability to feel happy inside where that light lives will resonate. And beauty comes from within. I mean, you know, beauty was always even in the traditional sense of even products with fashion and beauty, it was always inspired by nature. Mm -hmm. Because it is that, you know, that relationship that we have with ourselves and our surroundings, which we are part of nature, we're not outside of nature, you know, we breathe out carbon dioxide, and the plants breathe it in and the plants breathe out oxygen, and we breathe it in. I mean, we're part of nature, and we just somehow have forgot that. So our beauty isn't about, you know, covering up, which is very sort of metaphoric, you know, it's about, you know, going within and activating that beauty and that recognition and that realization that when you're feeling um, connected to our earth and to each other, um, you can vibrate at a higher frequency, ultimately radiating this sort of whole different level of like, you know, being positive, being confident, being excited, you know, and that that's that energy is contagious and people see it and then they might say, wow, she's so beautiful. And it's not about the way you look. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in, again, that's a, a summary right there, but you go into greater depth throughout your pages uh, about that, which is lovely. And, you know, and then you, <laughs> you even have throughout the book, like fashion designers and, and um, I mean, you speak with uh, Amber Valletta and Sarah Goose and, and, you know, just again, your Illuminartist interviews, but you even have, you know, uh, resources for designers, makers, brands, retailers, you, you kind of, you really didn't leave any stone unshurned in this book, I think <laughs> is fair to say. Well, you know, I, I am, um, you know, not only an ecopreneur, right? Mm. And I always say I'm like a little kid in a candy store. You know, yeah. I get to I get to do what I love, make a living and change the world. Like, yeah. yay, check, you know, check that box. But I'm also a consumer. I'm yes. also I'm also a mother. I'm also, you know, uh, someone who work who does policy work in government. So I'm thinking from the different like different lenses that I have, like 
what do I want to know? What do I want to hear? And, and how does it all relate? And, and I think it's important because there's right now, there's like a proliferation of young entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs that are kind of looking for that somewhat mentoring of purpose-driven business and, and redesigning old systems that don't serve them. And, you know, so I think it's, um, it's, a, it's important to connect all these dots. Yeah, absolutely. What you do a incredible job of in this book. You continue on and and I loved this as well. Voting with your dollars. How I mean, now more than ever, how important, not just, you know, in, in regards to what you speak about, but it both small and large scale. And, you know, so you talk about starting small, getting informed, thinking long term. It's not all or nothing, which I like that. Can can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, very definitely. So, you know, um, as Lao Tzu once said, right, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. My home. So, (laughs) so, so I always say like, don't believe anything that I say, like going from A to Z, take one step at a time and see how you feel, see how it resonates, see how you feel physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And just if it feels good, take another step forward. Don't go. If you read my chapter on eco fashion and sustainable ethical manufacturing, don't go and just throw everything in your wardrobe out. But maybe the next time you buy something, you might say, Hey, Maybe if I go swap clothes with my friends or I go rent something instead or I look for something made, you know, out of fair trade or organic materials, you know, that's a step in the right direction, right? So mm-hmm. it's just about taking baby steps, having fun. I mean, the, the title, uh, subtitle of the book is co-creating a stylish, sexy and sustainable world. You know, we got to make sustainability fashionable. Right. Yeah. Fun and cool. And, and it's OK to be cool and conscious. Yeah. Right. It's For and, sure. and so it's really it's and it's a, and you've got to enjoy it, because if you don't and you see moving towards a more sustainable lifestyle as some kind of deprivation, it won't be sustainable. Hmm. So so you have to embrace it with a different lens and one that allows you to it doesn't matter, as I said earlier in the conversation, you know, wherever that seed gets planted. And if you read the whole book and there's only one thing that you go, huh, that makes sense. That kind of feels good. That feels right. That's something I could do. Mm-hmm. Then try it. That's all. It, you don't need to like all of a sudden everything in every part of your life, you know, a race. It's, it's about moderation. It's about balance. But it is also very much about consciousness and mindfulness and, and being woke. Right. right. And being aware. <laughs> I dig it. And so, you know, I, I like what you just said, starting small and, and you know, feeling and in, intuitively feeling what you should be doing um, or what the next right step might be. And we've covered a lot of ground in this conversation. And still, with all that that we've discussed, we've barely, you know, scratched the surface of, of everything that's held within these pages of your book. So let's say someone's listening and we've already or you have already given plenty of wonderful feedback insights uh just things that people can do but if i were to ask you as a consumer what's one thing a person can do today just one in order to start truly making a difference towards a more sustainable world Mm. so rather than um giving up something i would start by saying minimize the things that you know um, are are likely not contributing to the betterment of people, planet, right? So mm-hmm. maybe that is 
like minimize your use of plastic if you're not willing to give it up completely. So think about that. Maybe bring a bag with you to the market. Don't don't use plastic straws. Um, you know, bring a reusable bag. Um, you know, recycle is so easy. I mean, it's so obvious. Um, and and then at the end of the day, when you're thinking about food choices, you know, just ask that question. You know, where did this come from? And not just in food, in beauty, in in fashion, in wellness, in everything that we do. Just step back and just ask that question, and it mm-hmm. might make you choose differently. I love it. And so, you know, all this said, to bring it kind of full circle, it, there's still tons of other stuff we can have, but unfortunately we're running mm-hmm. out of time. So what I would love to do, Marcy, is give you the floor. And like I said, we've barely begun to even scratch the surface of everything in this book. Is there something that we didn't have a chance to talk about that you would like to share, whether it's out of the book or not, but something you'd like to uh, talk about or share with readers or readers, viewers before we um, end the conversation? Mm-hmm. And hopefully readers soon. Yes, right, um, right. <laughs> you know, you're right, readers. I'm thinking podcasts, but you're right. Potential or readers to be, yes. Yes, because mm-hmm. um, there's much more, obviously, in of the book. Of course, um, so much. Yeah, so, I mean, I would just probably end in, in saying something, you know, along the lines of what Albert Einstein once said. You know, we can't solve today's problems with the same consciousness that we used to create those problems, right? So yeah. so we need to be thinking differently. And this, this eco-renaissance is about transformation. And it's about, um, you know, recognizing that we as consumers and business owners have, you know, do have the power to redesign and recreate. We are all creators, right? We are all creators. And, um, and so we have the ability to create whatever reality we want to live in. And that's why co-creation is so important because we are all so much stronger together than we are apart. And so the, the more we think this way as a collective consciousness, the more that shift to a better world we'll see. Ah, couldn't have said it any better myself. Marcy Zaroff, thank you so much for being with me today on the Indie Spiritual Podcast. It has been a true honor um, and a lot of fun having this conversation with you. Thank you. Well, it was fun to be here and um, let's co-create. So, I, love thank you. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, again, listeners, uh, to learn more about Marcy's work, please visit MarcyZaroff.com. M-A-R-C-I-Z-A-R-O-F-F dot com. Or if you are checking this out on the Be Here Now network, simply scroll down. You can click the link that'll take you directly to Marcy's website. We'll also have a link for her wonderful book, Eco Renaissance, A Lifestyle Guide for Co-Creating a Stylish, Sexy, and Sustainable World. Until next time, this is Chris Grosso. Have yourselves a lovely day.